Hello and welcome to Design Untangled with me, Chris Mears, and Carla Lindarte. How's it going? I'm very good. How are you? Yeah, all right. I've been feeling a bit rough the last week, combination of hay fever and colds and other illnesses, which is pretty rubbish for the middle of summer, but feeling a bit better now, luckily. Oh, that's good. Oh, that was my phone. I dropped my phone. Sorry. Um, I'm always dropping my phone. Do you remember when we used to work together? I was always dropping my phone. Yeah, I vaguely remember that, but it's a, it's a pixel now, right? So you've probably improved it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I've got a brand new pixel. Um, yeah, no, I've been fine, actually. I, I was a little bit ill as well, but yeah, all good. Enjoying the weather. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, 10 days straight of actual proper summer weather. And then I'm going to Italy on holiday after that. So I'm going to okay. be getting lots of vitamin D. You're always on holiday. Yeah, I know. It's just how I roll. High-flying lifestyle. <laughs> That's good. So why are we, well, that's, that's a big need, isn't it? The need of having a holiday. Well, that is a smooth segue. <laughs> uh, so what are we talking about today? Uh, um, we're talking about user needs, which oh. really probably should have been the first episode we ever did, to be honest. I know, I know. Well, we kind of like thought everyone knew what the user need was. No, sadly not. Um, So for those who don't know, which I'll be surprised if it's many of the people listening, but let's do it anyway. So a user need is kind of a written statement of something that a user of your product or service needs to have fulfilled in order for them to have a good experience. So it's really kind of the underlying foundation of everything you are doing as a UX designer. You're trying to meet those needs with your designs and solutions. Exactly. And there could be even levels of them as well. Like it could be the fundamental ones that kind of drive the reason, even the proposition of a particular product or service. So Uber an example is the need of like having, um, you know, easy access to, you know, transport, whatever you go, something like that. But they're more fundamental ones. But at the back of each product, then you have more like feature level needs as well. Yeah. Um, so another word for those is tacit needs. So if we carry on with the Uber example, a tacit need is something that someone wouldn't necessarily say to you is something they need from that service but it kind of has to be there as a hygiene factor almost so if you're getting an uber one tacit need might be that you need to feel safe while you're using that service so that's not necessarily someone would specifically say but that is a need that your service or product would need to meet in order for them to have a good experience yeah i never heard about that definition I mean, I understand what it is, but not that tacit need definition. That's quite interesting. Yeah, it's um, gov.uk GDS um, language. I'm not sure if they coined it, but it's certainly something that's spoken about a lot within government over here. Yeah, I can imagine. And what other type of needs do we have? So the, fun- the fundamental ones and the more like feature-related ones, right? Um, yeah, and then you've got created needs, which are the more specific ones, I guess, and they would come out of any solution that you design for someone. So if you design a new, let's say, ads to basket page, then you would have needs which essentially you've created because you've created that design. 
and they might be needs around being able to delete things from that basket or edit them. So they're needs that wouldn't otherwise exist if that person was not using your service. Yeah, I guess the majority of the time as UX designers in a kind of product or service design delivery project, we tend to keep focusing a lot on the created needs um, that sometimes actually lose the the vision of the fundamental needs or whatever you call them. Um, so that's a, it's a big risk because sometimes as you design like different flows and different journeys within a product, then you realize actually I have to do this and that. And then you do that by doing lots of user testing and usability testing as well. Um, but yeah, we sh- you shouldn't like keep, you know, f- uh, forgetting about the main purpose of why you're doing that particular product or service. Yeah, exactly. Nobody is coming to your site or product, whatever it is, to use your ads to basket page. They're going there to fulfill some other sort of need or goal. Um, and that is just a step along the way. You've added a few needs that need to happen because that design is there. But as Carla says, it's important to keep the bigger picture and understand those epic level almost user mm-hmm. needs. What's the fundamental thing that person is trying to accomplish? What do they need to feel successful? And what do they need to feel that they've had a good experience as well? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's always good to kind of step back and and in every sprint or every time you're delivering a new feature or a new journey, just just go back to the why, why you're doing it so you don't lose the, the vision of the product. Yeah, and I think we really can't understate the importance of these needs. If you don't understand what your user needs are for your different audiences, then you're really not going to be able to design anything effective for them. You're just going to be shooting in the dark and trying to guess about what you think they need um, and that's going to cause you a lot more headache than it's worth really so it might be worth speaking about now how you figure out what those needs are if you don't know already yeah I mean the, the best way to uncover them of course is um, through research I mean testing and evaluating what you're doing doing lots of especially at the beginning, you just like discovering what this product or service is going to be, just going more into the generative research and understanding what are those fundamental needs and then um, keeping track of of that as, you know, as you go through the design of the product or service and testing what you're doing um, all the time. I know it's really hard uh, from experience to sell the value of research when you are in a, you know, delivery project. It's always really hard. You're always going to have PM saying, no, that's not, we don't have time to test. And even if we had time to test, we don't have time to make changes, um, which is one of the most painful things I've, I've heard in a in the product yeah. um, development uh, project. So I, I know it's hard, but then you have to keep pushing. You represent the user, but you can't be the user so the more research you do even if it's in a lean way as we talked about before you know how to do research in a lean way that's christina um because christina's episode talked about so just do it um in a uh, just do some research is the only way you can actually uncover them yeah if you're gonna fight for anything on the project then it should probably be discovering user needs i think you know obviously you want to test your products and stuff but if you don't even understand 
why you're building your product and what users want to get out of it, you're going to fail, basically, regardless of whether they can find your OK button or not. Mm-hmm. So well, that's your job, basically. Your job is not to do the wireframes, as you know people think. You know, your job is to make sure that user needs are always considered when you're making design decisions. In government as well, if you're not designing for user needs that you understand, then your product or service doesn't actually ever go live because it's deemed almost, well, it's deemed a waste of money for the taxpayer to be footing that bill because you don't understand at the core why or who you're designing this service for. So it really is a very important thing to get your head around and you might have to be a bit creative about how you uncover those needs but definitely make it your sort of number one priority if there aren't any needs that have been discovered already mm. it's also a bit I mean I found it especially at the beginning when I was more like junior and unexperienced to um, separate what um, a need was from a want so sometimes people say it's um, you know oh is this what the you know, uh, the customer wanted this or um, the customer said they would like to do, you know, this uh, button to behave like this. Um, you have to be careful with that because consumers don't necessarily, or customers or users don't necessarily know what they need. They might just talk about what they want. Yeah. So you have to use a lot of observation and, um, you know, and be clever in the way you ask the questions, try to so I ask the same questions in different ways. Um, try to, um, if you kind of showing them a prototype and asking them to perform a particular task, um, just make sure that you know you're not focusing on what they're saying as much as um, what they're doing, because um, you can get in the trap of oh, but customer, you know, this guy really wanted this to be here, but you know, it's, it, it, it that is a want that is not a need. Yeah, that's why it's always good to start those usability sessions with general discussion as well. So you can explore a bit around what the person is potentially trying to do in your space, learn a bit about how they think, what their, I guess, mental models are for different things as well. Um, We probably should do an episode on research analysis, actually, because there is a, not magic, but there is a hazy sort of process where you get from these research observations down to the point where you agree as a team or a research and UX design team what the user needs you have uncovered actually are yeah that's true that's a very, that's a very good one actually because it's not an easy thing to do and I think the more you do it the more you you learn how to do it but yeah that'll be good um, because it, the, the ones like getting people to talk to you is quite distracting sometimes um, so um, you have to really know where to focus I actually in uh, before like, I left Sapien my previous job we started experimenting even more and more especially for a mobile banking mobile banking app we were designing to do more remote and moderated testing um, the reason for that is that you know, users would be able to interact with the prototype remotely um, and without being too, um, you know, moderated by us, which um, you kind of allows you to really observe what they actually do and how they react to, you know, certain points in the journey. Um, sometimes people in a lab get nervous or, you know, they just think you want to hear the, 
you know what they've done is amazing or whatever so the i mean sometimes depending on the project and depending on the type of fidelity actually doing remote uh, testing is actually a very good thing to focus on needs and 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 kind of like try to field out the ones are there any or have you encountered any alternative approaches to user needs so are there any things you can use in their stead? You mean in terms of frameworks? Yeah, I guess. Or user needs? I guess the, the thing is that there, there's many, well, there are a couple of ways that you could, rep, well, there are many ways that you can represent user needs. As you said, init- at the beginning of the podcast, is it could be an articulation of a sentence or um, a, an epic or a user story. Um, they also could be embedded into a persona or you know, um, an archetype. Uh, so then if you kind of see of the differences between this type of people and the other. Um, and most recently, a lot of people talk about um, the jobs to be done framework, which is uh, kind of goes beyond persona. And I guess we should do, oh, we're having a lot of ideas about episodes. I hope someone's writing these down. <laughs> I'm not. Maybe we should do it after this. Um, But yeah, the jobs to be done jobs to be done frameworks. Actually, I find it sometimes more useful depending on the stage of the project you're at, as well as the type of stakeholders to focus on jobs to be done rather than personas. But basically, there are um, you know the fundamental jobs that people um, that interact with that particular product and service need to achieve. So again, they're very similar to user needs. So trying to untangle this vocabulary is just the same thing. It's just that the way you articulate it and the way you frame it is different. So um, you can articulate it and frame it as a sentence or a statement, or even some design principles as well could represent user needs um, easily. Um, but you could also embed the user needs into a persona, which kind of gives a bit more context and person, you know, personality, and it creates more empathy with your audience when they're actually looking at them because they see people. Um, but also can be represented in a jobs to be done framework um, that has the kind of the macro jobs to be done and the you know the the smaller ones that kind of go at the back of that. Um, so yeah, so there's very different ways you can articulate them um, to make sure your stakeholders or the people in your team understand what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, I think on a practical level, something else that's quite important is actually having a feel of what priority the needs are. So there's going to be some needs that if you don't meet them, it's kind of game over for the user. But then there's very often quite a wide variety of other needs, which are, it's, can be quite hard to figure out what's more important than what. But generally, there's stuff that people care about more than other stuff. And you need to balance that with how much effort you might spend designing for those needs over another one. And one way to prioritize that is literally just kind of how often you observed it in your research. So if you've been out doing discovery research with 24 people and you saw instances of that need in, I don't know, nine or something, you can say that's the least a medium kind of priority need. And having that in your mind can help you make decisions with the product team where you're getting pushback from the business on stuff and it helps you get a sense of where you can compromise where you need to push back 
Um, if they want to do something for some tech constraint reason, but it's only going to affect some of your lower priority needs, maybe you can make that concession. So having that order in your mind, but ideally written down somewhere, um, definitely gives you something good on your day-to-day practical level of pushing through your designs. Yeah, I also did, well, um, I also think you need to balance them um, as well with the business needs, which is always um, a challenge that we have. Um, sometimes the business needs um, kind of want to override the user need or just like, um, you know, really destroy it or, uh, you know, make the experience really bad. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, it is very important you find the balance between those two. It's also very important that when you are looking at business needs, you actually see how, you know, that particular business need um, should or shouldn't be fundamental for the product yeah, you're designing. So, um, you know, I remember once I was in a retail project and um, the kind of the, um, the supply chain people and the um, fulfillment people were really against the uh, idea of users to select, um, it was a wine case, basically, and to select the wines that they wanted to be in the case because that, that would have increased the price of delivery as well as the price of packaging quite highly. However, from, um, you know, uh, user research, people really wanted to be able to pick their cases and the wines for the, the, the for the wine cases because you know they were paying for six so at least they had the, the option to you know to do have more variety it came back several several times from are you suggesting that you know we needed to change the way people bought the the wine cases but i mean it was quite a hard decision for the business to say yeah well we take you know, we take the cut. How can we make this process cheaper and easier for the business? Um, and at the end, they actually managed to do it, and they basically decided not to have as much profitability out of that product, um, just to kind of you know give the users what they wanted. But sometimes, you know, businesses can't really do that, and you have to really realize and find better ways to to deliver that user need. Um, but you have to really consider the business. Yeah, it's tricky, right? Because if you were a UX fundamentalist, then you would refuse to do anything that was contrary to your research stuff. Um, but in the real world, I find that type of UXer doesn't really last very long. So they may, it depends on the culture of the organization, but there's very few organizations which will change their entire business model because of research unfortunately that would be the dream scenario but that's not the reality of the world out there so it's your job to absolutely push for those user needs through influencing business stakeholders stuff like that Um, and as I mentioned before having an idea of the priority of those needs helps you understand where you can make those compromises and where you do have to push back because if you're saying no to everything that is coming back at you when you present your designs you're going to become very unpopular very quickly so (laughs) a lot of the job really is about helping people understand why this stuff is important um, but also being flexible in terms of where you can sort of meet them in the middle 
but without compromising the user experience. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are fundamental like things, as you said, that change the you know the business model, and then you have to be careful on your recommendations. Sometimes it's just like pure pushback from stakeholders. So things that you could do is get um, you know the whole team, for example, to come and participate in testing or research. Um, broadcast your session or record the videos and get them to actually come with you. I used to get BA sometimes to come with me, help take notes, etc. Um, the reason it was because, not because we didn't have enough people in the project, but just say they also create that empathy with the users and they understand and they actually listen from people, real people utilizing the products, what, how they feel about certain things. So that's also useful for you to help you Know, tools to help you balance out business versus user needs. I also think that you you should consider um, the that needs could change even if it's the same product. Needs could yeah. change. I mean, the order of these needs could change depending on the channel or you know the device that you're actually using. As you've seen, like things like Gmail, for example, would have a, a, a calendar. For example, sorry, not Gmail, like Google Calendar would have very um, very few features in on a mobile app uh or in the on the you know on the mobile app versus the desktop app and, and it is because you know there is a different context so even though they're the same users and the same product user needs could be very different um depending on the context of the use the use case yeah and it's important that you keep validating those needs as you go through the project because something that appeared very strongly during your discovery phase after you've done you know eight more rounds of testing over the course of a few months it might be that you know maybe you misjudged it and you never see that need to come up again so it's important you don't disregard the fact that these things can change you might have made the wrong call on how important they are um, and as you interact with more users do more research your understanding of the problem space and what those needs might be will only improve but don't rigidly stick to what you first thought was the case you'll uncover new needs you'll discover some needs are no longer relevant for example you might build a feature that means some other need somewhere else is no longer applicable so they're very much a live document almost that needs to keep getting validated things get removed things get added things get changed um but yeah just keep on top of them as you go through your design process yeah i agree and also like sometimes don't get overly obsessed for researching and i know this is going to contradict what i said before but there are things that are best practice there are things that already exist they've been proven methods and proven ways of doing things so don't go too crazy about you know discovering how e-commerce works because e-commerce works in a certain way and you know people expect similar features and similar experiences across you know e-commerce overall i mean you could be obviously um provide a better or worse experience depending on how you design it but at the end of the day you know people people are just buying online so what I'm trying to say with this is that um, if you're trying to convince your stakeholders or your your or client on research, focus on the important stuff. Focus on whatever's going to really make a difference in the product that you're designing, and and not like because I've seen I've seen it and experienced you know projects where 
you go away and come back and say, actually, when people buy online and add things to basket, they would like to delete them. Well, that's been proven that that's the case. So just just focus on something that you really don't know um, and use heuristics and obviously um, best practices to to cover the, the known things, if that makes sense. Yeah, and in that example, that's some of the tacit needs stuff. So I think it's still useful to have those listed somewhere, but as you say, you don't need to go out and do all the legwork to figure out people want multiple payment choices at checkout. That's not a good use exactly. of anyone's time. Have it in your mind when you're you're doing it together, but what you really want to understand is the deeper goals that people are trying to do in your problem space so yeah there's definitely stuff you can leverage out there already which you can use but you do need to understand what's specific to the design problem you're trying to solve well i think that's it for me in terms of needs do you want do you have the need to talk about something else chris um well maybe before we go we should actually describe how one might be formatted because it ties into user stories and stuff like that so we didn't actually say what format they usually take so it's normally as a insert user type here I want to be able or sorry I need to be able to almost punking myself right at the end of the podcast there (laughs) so I need to be able to do whatever it is so that I can and then whatever the outcome that they're looking to achieve is and that is a very similar, if not identical, format to how you create user stories, which are the basis for development tasks ultimately in Agile. So there's a nice mapping there, and and it shows how you can take those needs through to actual production of design and code all the way to the end. Good. All right, that's 26 minutes. We always do 26 minutes. That's amazing, isn't it? Maybe I should buy the lottery with the 26 number. Well, just six 26s. Yeah, six 26s. Yeah, I have a feeling you might lose that one. (laughs) You never know. I'm very lucky. (laughs) Well, not judging by the fact you dropped your phone within about 12 seconds (laughs) at the start of this podcast. Well, I'm lucky because it didn't break. That's solid Google workmanship for you, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it is. Ever the brand ambassador. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, um, it was a pleasure talking to you about user needs. I never thought we were going to do 26 minutes of that. No, I had no idea, but it's 27 now and probably a bit longer once I play the intro and outro. (laughs) So I I might just edit out two minutes of your conversation just to make it fit. (laughs) Okay, good. Um, Just edit me out and then we'll be fine. Yep. All right. All right. Until next time. Okay. Adios. See ya. Search and subscribe to Design Untangled using your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. Follow us on the web at designuntangled.co.uk or on Twitter at Design Untangled. Become a better designer with online mentoring at uxmentor.me.